2: We are here to talk to a little, uh talk about a little baseball in the Baltimore Orioles. So let's bring in the co-host of Inside Access from two to six PM on 105.7 the fan in Baltimore. And that is Tim Barbalance. Tim, good morning to you. And wow, when you talk about the Orioles, they had the the biggest turnaround in baseball last year. But is that sustainable this year when they were three games short of making the wild card? But now they've had some roster changes.
0: I think it definitely is, and a big reason for that, the whole season turned around when Adley Rutschman got called up last year. They were 16-24, and 24, and then they ended up finishing with 83 wins. There wasn't as much activity this off season as we would have liked in Baltimore, but the moves that they did made were incremental improvements, where you brought in Kyle Gibson, you brought in Cole Irvin. Both of them ha- have had strong starts. Brought back in a Michael Givens, James McCann to back up Adley Rutschman. Robinson Chirinos was a nice veteran piece for them last year, but the records for when he was starting compared to Adley were very poor. Adam Frazier at second base replacing Ruben at And then you also got to remember all of the uh, prospects on the way, the Orioles' number one uh, farm system in baseball.
1: Yeah so what's the thermometer on the Orioles this season because I was listening to Kyle Gibson I think talk about the season and he was saying listen I'm excited to be a part of this team and a part of something where it feels like you're building from the ground up and you've got all of these young guys that are so excited to be there and listen like this is a team that nobody is expecting to you know be a part of the postseason but they have a lot of talent. What do you think the thermometer is for the fan base, for people who watch the team? Is there excitement here?
0: Well, I will preface with this. I'm not sure if you guys have been following this whole Lamar Jackson story. So that's kind of overshadowed. <laughs> uh, everything. Yeah. But, but no, there's, there's plenty of buzz surrounding the Orioles. This is the first time that they're entering a season with expectations since 2018. And of course that year ended up blowing up in their face when they traded everybody at the deadline, but. We had Michael Elias on our show and I asked him the question because he kept saying his first three years, wins, wins and losses don't matter. Wins and losses don't matter. It's about player development. He said their expectation is playoffs and you can hear this clubhouse very much embrace these expectations. And Part of it is that they are so young and maybe don't even know, but this is a year where they're not going to catch anyone by surprise. I remember, especially early on last year, where they're playing Toronto or just any uh, team in the American League East, and you hear opposing managers and opposing players say, there's a different vibe about this team in Baltimore, and they're not going to sneak up on anyone this year, but I I think – You guys would know more than me. They're over under win total. I think last time I checked was 74 or so. I would hammer the over.
2: We're talking with Tim Barberlice, host of Inside Access from 2 to 6 p.m. on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Also host of Baltimore game day from 6 to 7 on the network as well. Tim, when you look at major league scheduling, it's going to be different this year because, as you know, they are going to be – less games played within the division. And this is an Orioles team that was way over 500 when playing outside of the AL East. How much is that going to help them this time around?
0: I think it's definitely a huge factor, right? I mean, you're not going up against the Yankees and Blue Jays and the Red Sox we expect to be down this year. And the Rays, it just seems like everyone's waiting for that year where they fall off, but they always find a way. I mean, it's absolutely going to benefit them. But I would also even say... Last year, they played the Yankees early a lot, and that kind of lopsided the record against them. But elsewhere, look, they were one game under 500 against the Rays. Toronto, they were right there. Boston, they were right there. But make no mistake about it, the more balanced schedule, it's absolutely going to uh, help the Orioles.
1: All right, so let's talk about the strengths of this team. What's going to be the calling card of the Orioles this year?
0: Well, the calling card of the Orioles really bullpen was huge for them last year. And we're going to see how we know how volatile the bullpen can be, but I'm looking at the outfield as their strength. And you got Cedric Mullins, who's back from the WBC. Austin Hayes is still there. Anthony Santander hit 35 home runs last year. Kyle Stowers got his uh, feet wet in the majors last year and also a name to keep in mind, Colton Kowser. he's in AAA, he could be getting called up soon, and Heston Kerstad, who, second overall pick from a couple years ago, he got set back with Myo he suffered a hamstring strain uh, last spring training that put him on the shelf for a couple months. He's been absolutely raking uh, in the Arizona Fall League in spring training. Uh, People think that he's going to be on the fast track and might reach the majors this year, but their outfield depth is really, really good. And just defensively, I I mean, their infield where Jorge Mateo, he didn't win the gold glove, but uh, definitely a gold glove caliber shortstop. Gunnar Henderson's got phenomenal defense at third base. Ramon Urias won the gold glove last year. He's not even going to start for them. And Ryan Mountcastle, he's uh, had much improved defense at first base from a couple years ago where we didn't even know what position he would play.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for
0: it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: Tim, if we can transition to Lamar Jackson, that would be awesome. And I know that's definitely been the scuttlebutt there instead of the O's because we're wondering, are the Ravens going to keep their quarterback? I, I, I blame the Browns. I was saying this, right. I blame the Browns for handing out $230 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. And, and certainly, we haven't heard reports that that's what Lamar expects. But in your opinion, setting the bar this high for a guy like Deshaun Watson And and, and then you look at Lamar, it's like this guy's a former MVP. How much of that do you think is a factor? Because if I'm Lamar, I'm saying I deserve that as well.
0: Completely agree. And when you look at contracts in any sport, you look for comparables. And Deshaun Watson, all the disgusting off-the-field stuff aside, Lamar's the superior Mm -hmm. player. He's got the MVP. He's more accomplished. If people want to point to the postseason failures, him and Deshaun have the same amount of postseason wins, and that's one. So I don't fault Lamar Jackson for trying to shoot for a higher number than Deshaun Watson, but I would say this. I think the Ravens missed the boat in trying to give him an extension when Josh Allen got his a couple years ago. And I think if they offered him around that deal, he probably would have taken it. But now I just question, can they mend this relationship? It's just been so bizarre. And if you had on your uh, bingo card yesterday that uh, the the rogue Ken Francis, some home gym inventor, who is a business partner of Lamar Jackson reaching out on Lamar's behalf. And uh, there's just been so much misinformation and the team leaking things, Lamar leaking things to Stephen A. Smith saying that he's never asked for a, a fully guaranteed deal. It, it's a mess in Baltimore. We're, we're not used to uh, all this off the field drama.
1: Yeah, Tim, when do you think we'll have some resolution? Like, is there a deadline or a cutoff? Because honestly, at this point, I'm saying to myself, okay, just let me know when something actually happens because all of the Second. details have been long and hard to follow. <laughs>
0: You know, um, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm kind of done talking about it. <laughs> you just want some type of resolution, but after mm-hmm. yesterday, I don't expect this thing to wrap up anytime soon. And the Ravens, they wanted this thing to wrap up quickly because it's really hamstrung their off season. They're the only team in the NFL that has not signed a free agent, an outside free agent. They've re-signed some guys, Manoa on the outside. They can't exhaust their salary cap space because they got to have the space in case if uh, if a team puts in an offer sheet for him. But you can get into the collusion. I, I, I find it so befuddling that a team has not had a conversation with Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying execute an offer sheet. I'm not saying execute a trade. It does not hurt a team like the Falcons or the Colts to have a conversation with Lamar Jackson. That's what really has me befuddled. But if it, now you're giving the owners ammunition here, right? Like it, that was such yeah. a God awful look for Lamar Jackson yesterday because it gives this perception that he doesn't know what he's
2: doing. Tim, before we let you go, we've got about three minutes here. How much do you think that Lamar's, injury history is playing a part in maybe the holdup here where it's really if you're looking to criticize Lamar and it's it's tough to do that's really the only thing you can keep coming back to which is look you're amazing you're a former MVP one of the best in the league but you're always banged up
0: it's got to be a factor and when you have back-to-back years where he's not playing games in December and in both years the Ravens are in the playoff hunt 2021 they didn't make it last year they did That was always the knock on him coming out of college, right? A, is he a quarterback? B, if he is, is his play style sustainable in the NFL? I do feel for him uh, in the fact that both of the injuries against the Browns and Broncos occurred when he was in the pocket. But it's just kind of another layer of these negotiations, right, where – It has to be a factor because when you give out a contract in excess of $200 million, you need to cross every T, dot every I, and make sure you're 100% positive that this is going to be a successful deal for both parties. And, yes, that's a big holdup. I mean, that's the number one uh, ability, availability.
2: You can check him out on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore as co-host of Inside Access from 2 to 6 p.m. each and every day. It is Tim Barber. Tim, great stuff, and thank you for indulging us because I know you probably talked about Lamar Jackson every single hour for the past two months, and you're over it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, we have. No, I appreciate it. Anytime, guys.